0: If you were driving in your car, for instance, okay Close your eyes, you're in your car No, close your eyes, in the car But right now, think about it You're in your car, you're driving And then all of a sudden from the back seat I just pop up and go, hey! (laughs) you just whack me in the head, wouldn't you? That would be, that wouldn't be nice
1: Hold on to your seats, folks Because we're going
2: to crank it up We are now conducting our final systems check
3: Ladies and gentlemen this is your spectral magical host, <laughs> Jiminy Cricket. Everybody in the Magic Kingdom wants to welcome you to WW Radio,
0: your information
1: station. Hello, my friend, and welcome to the WW Radio Show, your Walt Disney World information station. I am your host, Lou Mancello, and this is show number 521. I'm here once again, not only to help you have the best vacation experience when you go to the parks, but I also want to bring you a little bit of Disney magic wherever you are, not just with the podcast, but with my live broadcast on Facebook every Wednesday night, my books, audio tours, special events, and more. You can find everything over at www.radio.com. So the Cockerel name is synonymous with not just leadership, but a legacy of customer service and exceptional guest experiences in the Disney Company. Dan Cockrell's story of summers in the Epcot parking lot to the vice president of Epcot, Disney's Hollywood Studios, and Magic Kingdom is a shining example of not just what you can learn from the Disney Company, but being able to make and leave a positive change in your wake. Dan joins me this week to talk about his journey from Walt Disney World College Program to Disneyland Paris, leading and learning from cast members in Walt Disney World to using technology to communicate with them on a large yet intimate scale you'll learn not just about his time at Disney but lessons you can use in your own life and path as well I'll then have the answer to our last Walt Disney World trivia question of the week and I'll pose a new challenge for your chance to win a Disney prize package then stay tuned to the end of the show I'll have more information about upcoming WW Radio events your voicemails and more so sit back, relax, and enjoy this week's episode of the WW Radio Show. Konnichiwa, which I think, despite my bad pronunciation, still means hello. But nevertheless, of all the places on this amazing planet that I have dreamed about visiting, Japan has always been an object of fascination and mystery and food for me. From the history, the culture, and the cuisine, Japan's a nation that's dated back thousands of years, yet still a mystery to many, and is on the leading edge of technology and trends. And next year, my dream, and maybe yours, will come true. And I want you to come on this journey with me on a WW Radio Adventures by Disney to Japan. From October 13th through the 26th, 2019, we're going to travel from isolated villages where time seems to stand still to the vibrant city of Tokyo, where sacred shrines stand in the shadow of ultra-modern skyscrapers. And together, we are going to embrace the people, the customs, the traditions, and of course, the cuisine are an amazing adventures by Disney. For 11 days and 10 nights, we're going to visit Osaka, Kyoto, Takayama, Hakone, and Tokyo. And together, we're not just going to visit and learn, but experience firsthand so much of what Japan has to share and offer, including, but not limited to, we're going to tour Kyoto's arashiyama district and the bamboo forest in a rickshaw. We're gonna have a dinner and show in Kyoto where we'll meet a Maiko, it's an apprentice uh, uh, geisha, and try our hand a little samurai sword play. What could possibly go wrong? We're gonna learn origami crane folding in Hiroshima, and we're gonna also add it to that museum's collection. We'll make an authentic Japanese bento box at a local cooking school. Then, of course, get to enjoy, yay, our delectable creations. We're going to take in the amazing scenery that uh, that surrounds us on the Hokusawa River Boat Ride. We're going to discover the ancient sport of sumo wrestling and see a live demonstration at the Sumo Experience and Museum. We'll save the Lou being fat and fluffy jokes for later. We're going to visit the serene, traditional mountain village of Shirakawa Go, which provides a rare look at life at pre-modern Japan. I'm really excited for that. We're going to enjoy a leisurely bike ride to the farms and rice fields of the countryside on a rural Japan bike ride like ramen, like me, who doesn't? We're going to visit the interactive, I'm so excited for that its interactive, Cup Noodles Museum, and of course, enjoy some ramen more than once, I can assure you. We're going to visit the Hama Raikyu Gardens and Tea House and experience a traditional matcha tea ceremony in a Zen-inspired garden setting, We're going to learn the history of some of the iconic shrines and temples at the Shinto shrines and Buddhist temples. We're going to learn to play taiko like the Japanese traditional drums that dates back centuries so much more. And like all the adventures by Disney vacations, it's really going to be the Disney difference that's going to help make this a truly remarkable and special vacation, including the services of two adventure guides. We're going to VIP access, private events, incredible accommodations, most of the meals during the trip admissions fees to attractions and performances all kinds of cultural experiences with local experts transportation within the vacation and lots more and this adults only trip is going to be open exclusively to our WW radio group and community and is limited to only 36 spots now I will tell you based on our adventures by Disney trip to China last year it is expected this trip is going to sell out fast also there is going to be an option to add on days at the end at Tokyo Disneyland and Tokyo Disney Sea again at the end of our adventure. There are obviously a ton more details to share and to learn more, to download a detailed PDF, see the itinerary and all the details and or book your spot or ask questions, please visit wdwradio.com/japan19. Again, this is a trip I have waited literally years if not decades for. I'm super excited to be able to do it not just as an Adventures by Disney, but more importantly, with you. Again, visit www.radio.com slash japan19. Email me or if you have any questions or go to the event page at facebook.com slash www.radio. I hope to see and eat with you in Japan soon. Domo arigato, Mr. Roboto. The name Cockerell has become synonymous, not just with Disney, but more importantly, the significance of exceptional customer service, exceeding expectations, and outstanding leadership. And those traits were true of Lee Cockerell, who was the former executive VP of operations for the Walt Disney World Resort, and who, by the way, has been on the show numerous times, back on show 488, 412, and 93, but also his son, Dan Cockerell who didn't follow in his father's footsteps, but instead used his experience as a guide and blazed a path and forged a legacy of his own. I first met Dan probably more than nine or so years ago, and I'm excited to chat with him today, not just about his time and experience at Disney, but what's up next for him. Dan, thank you so much for making time this morning. I know it's a, uh, a very busy, exciting time for you right now. It is Lou.
4: And thanks for having me on today. The, uh, Man, that, that's that's
1: that's quite an introduction. That that that's really cool. Oh, uh, listen, I am uh, I am super excited to to chat with you. Like I said, I think we first met. Gosh, I can't even. I, I was trying to remember. It probably has been nine or so years ago. And you know, now we're sort of coming full circle. And and I, I should start really by congratulating you on your recent slash upcoming retirement from the Disney Company. We'll talk more about that. But I really want to go back with you sort of to the beginning, what were some of your earliest memories of Disney as a kid growing up?
4: Well, you know, it's funny. We, uh, my dad, you know, he moved a lot uh, with Marriott and had lots of different jobs. Every couple of years we were moving to a different city and we lived in Van Nuys, California when I was probably three or four years old. And, you know, when you're that young, you have just these snapshot memories. And I remember the the rockets and Tomorrowland and I remember the Pirates attraction. Those are the two because we went a few times. And then uh, I didn't go to Disney again until I was uh, 19 years old and here on the college program. So, you know, the, between between the, those times, uh, it was always on our list. But we traveled and did a lot of other things. And so I didn't get back here again until. Uh, till
1: so so growing up, <clears throat> you didn't get to go to Disney, but obviously your dad was working for the company at one point. How old were you when you started working there? And what was that like for you? You know, your dad working for i mean, obviously he worked for Marriott and other big corporations, but, but Disney's a very different animal.
4: Yeah. Well, you know, it's, uh, it's funny when he was with Marriott, I had, uh, I was living in Boston. I went to Boston university and I got a job as a waiter at champions bar at the Copley Marriott. And that was, he was still with, uh, let me see, about that time he joined Disney in 1990. So I was a sophomore at Boston university and he had left and I'd actually done already done the college program down here. So as he, he, he likes to joke is, you know, I brought him into the company cause I worked <laughs> here first and I worked down here on the college program the summer of 89 at the contemporary hotel front desk. Then in 1990, he ended up getting hired as the uh, director of food and beverage for uh, Euro Disney uh, for the resorts there. And then I ended up starting working down here in 1991 So we sort of were leapfrogging each other. But um, he he uh, he mentioned the fact, and I think I'm the same way. Companies like Marriott and Disney, uh, they have uh, very strong cultures. They're uh, very process oriented and can handle uh, really high standards. And so I don't think it's a coincidence that once uh, I'd worked at Marriott and and worked at Disney, I really enjoyed this environment and the kind of professionalism and the challenge that it brings every day.
1: So we've had it wrong all along. Your dad really was the, you were the one blazing the path for your dad. He just sort of followed in your footsteps when he came to Disney. Um, what was it that that brought you here? What was it that first brought you, you know, what, what was your why in terms of what did you want to learn or what did you aspire to get to in the Disney company? Well, you know, I, th- I
4: think this job was like what a lot of people at Disney do. Uh, you kind of end up here by accident a lot of times. And after working here in college, I had a political science degree, so I really didn't know much that was really applicable. So uh, he had suggested, well, why don't you go ahead and, and, and uh, do this, this Disney gig, see how it goes, and then eventually you can figure out what you want to do. And then you blink and 26 years goes by. <laughs> right. So I did, you know, I, when I came in here, my first job was uh, at Epcot parking cars and driving the trams. And uh, I had a lot of uh, friends of mine from college that said, well, what's your plan? Well, what are you going to be doing now? Because they were going to law school and doing all kinds of stuff. I said, well, I'm going to be parking cars in Florida. They said, well, <laughs> what's the plan? I said, well, there is no plan. The plan is I'm going to just go work and just fix, see where this goes. And uh, that, and once again, that's a, that's a formula at Disney. If you look at a lot of our leaders and executives here, almost everyone here started out in frontline roles, which I think is it's great. I think you know, in order to work here, you have to understand what the frontline interaction is between the guests and the cast member. And to be able to say you did that yourself is kind of a, a badge of honor, but um, it started there. And I didn't, I didn't have any goals. Like I tell you, every time I got promoted, I sort of said, "Okay, someone made a mistake. They, this, <laughs> this can't be me," uh, because you know I, 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 I don't think I deserve this. And you jump in the next job, and you get to know the cast, and you had the same formula every time. And you learned more. And uh like I said it's been a long winding path but I never had any expectations except I just wanted to get a job so I could uh make a little money and go out with my friends.
1: Right so I mean it, it is and it was and obviously still is a, a circuitous route you know you're a poli sci guy you're playing rugby next thing you know you're you're driving trams and parking cars in Epcot which has got to be the only thing I think tougher then being outside parking, like helping to park cars at Epcot is maybe being outside helping to park cars at Animal Kingdom, where it's about 30 degrees hotter than it was there. But you, you made a point about talking about having so many frontline guest centric roles, not just in, in the parking lot, but when you were working front desk. At the time, we're looking back now. What were some of those valuable lessons that you think that you learned having those those front guest facing roles?
4: Yeah, that that is a that's an excellent question. I I think in the frontline roles here at Disney, you are tested every single day, because when you look at the expectations our guests have on the cast members here and the Disney brand, um, you learn quickly that you got to you have to perform, you have to come in every day and you have to be at your best. And um, I just I remember dealing with, um, you know, every day was a new day. So really, really difficult situations. You know, people that had things going on in their lives that um, kind of would take it out on you and your job was to remain professional and make sure they had a fantastic vacation. Um, I think getting organized, you know, organization, we are very highly structured. And if you don't have a really good uh, organized plan every day to get work done, uh, this place is impossible to run. And so I, I learned that in my frontline roles as I went along. And then I think the biggest thing that helped shape me when I was a frontline cast member was Um, kind of being a fly in the wall and watching the leaders and watching the leaders and what they said and what they didn't say and if they were around supporting me or supporting the team or if they weren't, if they followed through on what they said they were going to do. And there's not a day that's gone by as an executive with the company. I don't remember that. And I don't keep in mind what my behaviors are. And that's I think that's why I learned to become sort of so approachable and accessible. That was really important to me because I didn't always see that in the leaders here. And I knew how important it was and I knew how valuable it was to the cast members. So, um, that was, uh, that, that, that was, like I said, a very formative time and it helped me really think about what my values are today.
1: And so just sort of bounce around a little bit, a lot of those qualities that you talk about on those lessons that you learn from a hiring perspective from Disney, are those things that you think they're looking for there? Are those, are those sort of in the DNA of, the people they're looking to hire, or is that something that you think is, is teachable and you're able to mold people as they come in to pick up a lot of those attributes and traits?
4: Yeah, I think what you're, you're getting into now is, a, I guess, probably the nature versus nurture argument. And uh, my wife and I, and I used to really believe if you could uh, train, pay, motivate people, they could be great at anything and what I learned, my wife and I ended up having three kids, and we threw that that notion out the window. Uh, in my <laughs> mind, talent is wired in. You have, you are predisposed to be good at things naturally, and so when someone says, you know, anyone can do that job, or anyone can get that level, or anyone can do it, I don't believe that anymore. You can't, now you can get good or very good at lots of things, but you can only be great at a few things, and you think about You know, what is excruciatingly excruciatingly difficult for some people is is amazingly easy for others, whether that be math or uh, reading or playing an instrument or playing sports. And so I think we've learned uh, over time at Disney is selecting the right talent is probably one of the most important things we do, because if you select the right talent, you can almost not pay them very well. You don't have to train them real well. There's a bunch of things you don't have to do. Um, and they're, they're going to be superstars. But when you add on to that, making them feel re- respected and valued, um, it, they, they do become superstars. So selection is incredibly important. And, you know, when we're hiring at Disney, we're looking for extroverts. Um, we're interested in people that on their days off, they're out, they're active in the community. They're working hard. They're out you know, interacting with people because um, if, if you got to you really have to uh, thrive off the energy here. Because it's such a demanding job and such an extroverted job to bring this uh, these uh, magical things to life for our guests.
1: Well, and I think it's interesting because I think you're very much a testament to what you just said. Because if my 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 life of Dan Cockrell timeline is correct, back in January of '92, just a few months before Disneyland Resort Euro Disney opened in France, you were you were sort of you were in that the DLP the, the management trainee program, correct? And then you actually were transferred to France. That's right. After six
4: months at Epcot parking cars, uh, they shipped me off to to Euro Disney. We had uh, a few hundred former uh, cast members who worked at World Showcase who had European passports, and we had some Dutch cast members from hospitality schools. And this is a model we use now. We'll bring uh, cast members from those countries, train them at Walt Disney World, and have them go back to open it. We did that with Hong Kong. We did that with Shanghai. And it's a great model because they get to see what the original is. But we know that these countries, people don't want the original. They don't want the Disneyland. They don't want Walt Disney World, They want their own culture. But we want them to make sure the employees are exposed to what, how we do things, do things here. So, yeah, I went from uh, Epcot. And you said Animal Kingdom is probably the most difficult parking lot. The Euro Disney Disneyland Paris parking lot was <laughs> really hard. Um, it's, um, what, what I found there is um, if, if you need three people to park a, a row of cars in, in the United States, you need six in, uh, in France. Uh, you need to give people a lot more direction. So, yeah, I, I headed over there and um, it, talk about being clueless. I mean, I got there. I had taken French 101. Um, I was now in another country. Um, they, they, everyone speaks French there all the time. Like you just don't like, you know, it's like 24 hours a day. So you get immersed in this culture and you get to a point where you either it's fight or flight. It's either I'm going to I'm going to start accepting this or I'm going to leave and um, I it just unbelievable experience. It was pretty stressful, but I learned a ton. And you know, I started there about three months before the park opened and then ended up staying over there for five years. And uh, it, I'll, I'll tell you, that changed my life. It changed my perspective on things. It made me humble to live in a country where you're the one who's um, always the one who doesn't quite know what's going on. There's a word you really don't know because you didn't grow up there was incredible experience and it helped me grow and, and build a lot of confidence.
1: And so you're there for five years. You take not just what you learn at Walt Disney World, but now what you learn in a foreign country in a new park where things are similar yet different. When you come back to the states, what's the next role that you're brought back into in in World?
4: Yeah. So when I came back, my wife and I. So the, the subplot here was my wife had worked at the French Pavilion back when I was the year before I was on the college program. We met at uh, Vista Way in the housing complex doing our laundry. And we had an eight week engagement in France because I, my green card was expiring. So we got married like really quickly. And that's how I got to stay for five years. And, and we just celebrated our 25th wedding anniversary. And she asked me if um, I married her just for the green card. I'm like, <laughs> I can't believe you're still asking that question. Of course not, honey. I love you. There's never been anyone else. Um, but anyway, yeah, so I came back when, I, when I, we, we decided to move back here. Our son was born in France, and my first job back, in, uh, back here was at Epcot. I was the operations manager for the American Adventure and the Japanese Pavilion, and uh, th- that was my first role running food and beverage and um, the theater there and custodial merchandise, and I did that for a couple of years, and I ended up working at uh, Epcot for four years as an ops manager. That's actually when George Calagridis was the vice president of Epcot, And he did some great work there and really, um, um, you know, did did a lot of work around getting us ready for the Millennium Celebration in 2000.
1: And then is it from there that you become vice president of Hollywood Studios? No. So uh, the path continues. I went I
4: opened Test Track. I was the ops manager of Future World. And at that point, uh, once again, I said, all right, I need to take another leap. Where am I going to go that I can learn something new? So I went to resorts. And I was ops manager at the All-Star Movies Resort for a couple of years. And uh, once again, totally underestimating these jobs. I figured, OK, you go to a resort, you check people in, you put them in their room, they leave, you clean the room and you check the next person. How, how difficult could this be? <laughs> and it is complicated uh, when you have a, a, that many rooms, that many people. Um, so I did that for uh, a couple of years. And that point I got promoted to be the, uh, the uh, general manager at the Wilderness Lodge and the Fort Wilderness Campground. Which probably was up there with some of the best jobs I ever had. Um, I got to, you know, we had a, this beautiful hotel. Um, I'd get on my bike and ride it over to Fort Wilderness and cruise around the campground and have coffee with the campers and check in on them. And we had the hoop de do review. And I mean, it's just such a great place. I did that for a couple of years. And then I went back to the All Star as a GM. Um, and so I had, I had movies, music, and um, sports, those three themes which once again was one of the craziest jobs I've ever had. You know, when you have a 6,000 room hotel, um, you know, on, 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 certain nights you got, you know, 24, 18 to 24,000 people staying there and crazy stuff happens in hotels. That's for another podcast. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, so then I left there and I went, I came to the magic kingdom as a general manager of merchandise. I did that for a year and a half. And then I was a GM of operations for a year and a half here. And then in 09, that's when I got um a, a uh, an offer to be promoted to be the uh, vice president of Epcot. And uh, I went back over. So, Epcot has a very special place for me. You know, it's it's where my wife worked first. It's where I, I parked cars. Um, I, I worked in guest relations there as a frontline leader at one point. And I went back as vice president of the park. And so, um, I drove people crazy there because on really busy days, I'd say, well, you, did you park the cars on the, the grassy knoll over near the kennel? And they're like, "Why do you know about that?" I said, "I know about that." And they're like, "Oh, great! That's all we need is the vice president knowing about that." Um, and then I left there, went to studios for four years, and then I got to um, uh, to Magic Kingdom about two and a half years ago. So it's been, uh, like you said, it's been an incredible journey, and um, just I, I'm I'm so lucky to have been able to lead three of the three of the four theme parks, and they're they're all different, They have different cultures, but uh, it's been uh, it's been a great ride.
1: Yeah, and obviously, look, and and vice president of of any of the parks, that role itself, you know, again, as you've been moving up the ladder, up the chain in the company, you are not just gaining experience, but gaining a larger number of cast members, you know, underneath you that you're responsible for. You know, we hear I'm vice president of Epcot, I'm, I'm vice president of Hollywood Studios. What does that role actually entail? What are sort of the responsibilities and the decision-making and the being the leader of so many, you know, especially very young, very new cast members underneath you.
4: Yeah. So it's, um, when I first got into all these jobs, it was pretty, I mean, you go home at night saying, am I going to even be able to do this job? Where do I start? But what I found over time is a lot of this is, is common sense. And you have to remember we have incredibly talented uh, executives in the company. We hire incredibly uh, talented managers, cr- incredibly talented cast members. So half the time, my job was don't mess this up. <laughs> Just get out <laughs> of the way and let people do their job. Because I think a lot of times we, we try to get too involved and uh, people know what they're doing and they know. it. And so what I really have learned over time is as a vice president of these parks, your job is to create the right environment for everyone you are responsible to set the culture and set the tone and then let everyone do what they do really well. And so, um, a lot of, a big piece of my job is just, um, meeting with the general managers, making sure they have what they need. Do you have the, do you have the resources you need? Uh, you know, making sure that I'm telling them when they're doing a great job to make sure that I tell them they're doing a great job. And when they, when something goes wrong, you know, tell them, Hey, here's what happened. Here's how we're going to make it better next time. But um, when you're the vice president, you take the hit on anything that happens and you're responsible for them. So um, I think a, a big part of the job is, you know, it's, it's your response for the day to day operations for your cast members and your guests. So when you think about the four keys, safety, number one, make sure your, your cast are safe, make sure your guests are safe. And so you have to ask questions and you have to uh, make sure you're walking around making comments Then you have courtesy, uh, show and efficiency. And those are the big four we use here. Everyone uses them a brand new college program cast member uses them and a vice president of a park uses them. And there's a great alignment there. So a big part of the job, like I said, is the vice presidents. It's funny. We don't have, we're not responsible directly for anything. We don't run food and beverage. We don't run merchandise. We are just here to make sure that everyone has what they need and that they, uh, we can get the barriers out of the way and free up, free it up so they can get things done. If you approach it that way, it's a great job and it's, it's, it's much easier because if you think you can get in and control everything and make every decision, there's not amount, there's not enough hours in the day to do that here.
1: You know, I can imagine that, you know, Epcot is, is unique, not just because it's such a large park, but including, but not limited to that. You have thousands of, you know, you talk about culture, you have cast members that literally come from around the world. But when you go to, uh, vice president of Magic Kingdom, and I think that you are what, only the, the sixth or seventh person to hold that title since 1971. There are, I think, additional responsibilities because that place is so special. When you get that role, having come from other VP positions, do you come in with any uh, uh, goals or things that you hope to do when you take on a responsibility like that?
4: Well, there's certainly, you feel the weight of the legacy of the magic kingdom. You know, it was the first park. Uh, It's the, it's the castle park, as we say, you know, the other park has the castle and we have cast members here Uh, back. uh, Let me see last year, we celebrated the 45th anniversary or a couple years ago, of magic kingdom. And we, I think we had 130 cast members who also celebrated their 45th anniversary. They'd been here since the beginning and so, when you think about the responsibility you have to make sure you're delivering what you're supposed to be delivering, you have parents coming with their grandkids who were here when it first opened, and um, it it does, it does the weight way, the way, you do feel the weight of that responsibility for sure. And so, I think the two things: one is um, when you come in, you say, okay, we have to keep improving the experience, we have to keep make sure it continues to be relevant, uh, and we make sure people when they come here we have things that they want to see. However, you also have the the side that says tradition and heritage is incredibly important. And so you have to balance that every day is recognizing the traditions, the heritage, making sure people have that pride and um, the, the great history we have. But like I said, you also have to push and say um, we got to keep changing. And that's what Walt said. You got to keep changing. You got to keep updating. You have to remain relevant. And it's a it's a tough line to walk. So our guests tell us, you know what, we want new and exciting things. Don't take anything away. And it's, uh, you know, so it's uh, it's a dilemma.
1: Well, you know, one of the things I had noticed and really impressed me about you early on, I think probably the first time was in, in Hollywood Studios or I'm sorry, in Epcot and maybe at the studios was how often you were in the parks. And I don't mean you and an entourage or you at an event, but just walking and watching and talking. And how important is it, was it, not just to be visible to your cast members, but to help them and to interact with guests. And, and how often would you sort of, as you're walking, stop and talk to guests and ask questions?
4: Yeah, well, first of all, we were talking about talent before, and and uh, that happens to be something that I just love doing. If I could not go to one meeting and I could just walk around the park and talk to cast and talk to <laughs> leaders and talk to guests, that's all I'd do. Cause, and once again, you know, when I talked about creating an environment, if I'm not out there walking around and, and setting that example, then the, the the culture won't change and we won't create that environment that we're looking to build. Um, so um, I would get out as much as I could. And what I've learned over time is, uh, you know, cast members, they're, they're very proud of their jobs. And just, you know, like I said, sometimes it's such an easy thing to do. Just show up, check in on them, ask them if they needed anything. And if they said, yeah, I do, I'm like, well, okay, I'm not sure how to do that, but I'll figure out who do I need to call. <laughs> Most of the time, people just want to know that you you respect what they're doing and you value what they're doing. And showing up and walking around and talking to them, a lot of times, you know, gave that message. You gave that nonverbal cue that you are important. I'm not in some meeting. I'm not going doing things else. I have a lot of things I could do with my time. And where I, where I chose to spend my time was to be out here, to check in on you, talk to our guests. Uh, the guests were great. I mean, they would tell you – um, and you never knew what you're going to get. I'd start chatting with people and say, "Hey, well, you know, anything what you think we should improve here? How, long, how often do you come down here?" And I would use all this information between the, these really informal chats with the cast and guests as I got back into meetings and we were doing strategy and we were thinking about what the future held. I had real anecdotal information from actual people and not just sort of the numbers.
1: And that's one of the things that I I always admired and appreciate because your role is so very much built on the relationships with the the cast members and guests. And from a personal perspective, you were always very approachable, not just to me, but anybody. And I think that's why so many cast members that I know that have not only said the same thing, and and really is going to be part of the reason why I think you're going to be missed by so many of them, is that you were never the executive in the high castle. You always sort of had boots on the ground. And, you know, I what, understand what I mean by this. It made me think of that picture of Walt picking up trash um, because I think it shows, and maybe the question is, you know, how important is it for not just leaders but cast members and people in their own businesses to be, going back to what you said at the beginning, so very people-centric focused, you know, first and foremost?
4: Yeah, and I think that, you know, first of all, that is – it's a good way to do business. It's, you know, you get more value and people do a better job when you invest in them like that. And then, you know, I really do believe in that. You know, my, my dad, as I grew up, that was beat into me. You be humble. you you know, every time you think you're a hot shot, you, you got to get grounded. And my, my wife keeps me, is, keeps me extremely grounded. You know, I, I joke with her, I'll be, we'll be at home. And she said, Hey, can you take the trash out? I'm like, I run the biggest theme park in the world. <laughs> yeah. Take the trash out right now. Yes, ma'am. So. Um, it's, it's important. It's important to stay grounded. And, you know, we're so, I I was so lucky to have a job like this. And, uh, once again, no, no one role is the most important role here. There's so many people, it takes so many people to make this all happen every day. And every role is as equally as important. If you forget that you're in, you're in trouble.
1: Well, and I think too, and again, sort of following in the legacy of your father that you actually started for him, you know, he started a newspaper, for cast members, when he was executive vice president here, is, is did you not have or do you still not have a podcast that you started forget for for cast members
4: yeah i uh when I first got the magic Kingdom, I realized that um I, I wasn't going to touch everyone by just walking around. this place is just too big, and so um I got with my communication manager and said, "Hey, I want to start a podcast and for the leaders and she said, all right well I'll set up the um." the sound booth and we'll get the you know, sound engineer. And I said, no, no, we're gonna do it right now on my iPhone. So we just like, I, I got the record app on, I, we recorded it and it was a few minutes long. And I emailed it to her and we've been doing that for three and a half years. And um, it, was a good, it was a good practice, but it was a good way to reach out. I think even if you can't meet and know everyone personally, the ability for them to hear your voice and hear what your thoughts are. I never wrote a script. And a lot of times I'd make some mistakes on it, but they said, you know what, keep those in. Because people want to know this is not some, you know, corporate scripted thing. It's it's, it's coming from you in 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 a real in a real way, and uh, it's been fun to do that.
1: Well, and I love the fact that you embrace the new technology. Understand that it it is not just a, a great vehicle to reach the cast members that you're trying to touch, but more importantly, it's one that look. Obviously, I, I very I believe very strongly in the power of the medium and the spoken word because you can convey the emotion and the passion in a way that's very different than anything that you can write and i love and appreciate the fact that you leave any errors and things like that in there because i think it not only humanizes you but it shows you that it doesn't have to be perfect it's just a matter of of the importance of the message
4: absolutely you got to be vulnerable and make sure people know you're a real person um and i'll tell you I just keep getting blown away by the technology. I never take that for granted. The fact that I can just go ahead and, you know, speak into this little supercomputer in my pocket, email, and it, it goes out to people. It's just, it's it's such a great time now with all the technology and the way we get, we can connect with people.
1: And I think it's, it, connect is the right word. And I think that's why the cast members that I know that know you, you know, speak so highly of you, are, are excited for you, but yet disappointed that you're leaving. And, and as you're starting to, you know, take pictures off the wall and, and pack up boxes and things like that as you look back on your time at the company what were some of the 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 when I ask you about the challenges that you face and how you overcome them it really is sort of the the major takeaway lessons for you that you learned
4: yeah I um that once again we could probably do a whole other podcast on all the things I've learned when I've made mistakes and have bounced back or try to bounce back from them but I think the the biggest one was um, the um, my grandfather. My grandfather um, re- was went to naval academy and was in World War II, and was a naval architect and just an incredibly impressive guy. And he had a quote, and I've I've it in a frame, and I've I've taken it with me everywhere I've gone, and I keep it. And it's um, his quote was, "Do your best, then forgive yourself." And it has helped me a lot because once again, the do your best part. Um, you know, I think everyone likes to do well. But once again, at Disney, the expectations and the level of, uh, I think, pressure to be able to be great and make sure everything's perfect every day. And even if it isn't, trying as, as much as you can to coordinate this gigantic place. So every day you do your best. And then at the end of the day, you forgive yourself for any shortcomings. You get a night's sleep, you get up the next day and you go back to it. And that's probably the biggest thing I've learned here is you got to be great at what you do, but know that you're never going to be as good, great as you want to be. And you got to get over that and try to just improve.
1: I love that. And, and, you know, we keep sort of hitting on a word every so often And I want to ask, I want to turn around and ask you the question, because what do you, what would you like your legacy to be at Disney? How do you want people to sort of look back on your time and impact on the company and the cast members that you reached?
4: Yeah, I think, I think about all the people I've learned from in my career and I have a, You know, I have a a short list of people that have have really had an influence on me and have taught me great lessons. And I think that's what we do in life. We take we meet people, we take things we like about them and we try to incorporate that into ourselves. And so if I could just have any leader sitting here at the Magic Kingdom 20 years from now talking to a new cast member and saying, you know, back when I was here, Dan Cockrell taught me this and I wanted to share it with you. Um, that will be the big biggest legacy I can leave, I think, is just uh, it's nice to be remembered and, and, and share in people's development.
1: You know, I, I get a question all the time and I'm always like, I'm the, I'm the most wrong person to ask because I, I never was a cast member. But if you could give advice to somebody who doesn't just want to be a cast member, but more importantly, wants to be an exceptional cast member and, and is going in or applying, what would that be?
4: Yeah, well, I think the biggest thing is make sure you get – in the right fit job. Um, I talk to college program all the time and I ask them in a group, I say, how many of you said that you love working on teams? And they all raise their hand. I say, how many people said here they love service and they love helping people? And everyone raises their hand and say, all right, well, if you lied in that interview, you're going to be miserable in this job. And so they kind of laugh about that. But it's important that um, as a cast member, not only the company picks up you, but you um, self-select into the right job. So if you get into a job that you don't like, you're not good at, you're never going to be great at it. So I think that's the first thing. And then I think the second thing is um, you, you get in here and you show up at work every day and you just do a great job. I and mean, we're growing like crazy and we're looking for great people. And I think people expect things to happen faster than they happen. And getting these uh, getting these um, different experiences and these lateral moves is incredibly important. I think everyone gets focused on how how fast can I move up and they don't see the bigger picture of... It's not about when you move up. It is you are going to move up. It's when you move up, how good are you going to be? If you can get these, uh, a lot of these experiences, you're going to be really good at your job, and it's going to be a lot of fun. So, um, and I guess the last thing I'll tell people, especially Disney, is you know a lot of people say, well, I want to come in as a manager. I say, you know, it doesn't work that way. And they say, why not? I said, well, you, you, you're, this is not going to make you feel better, but here's my story. I started parking cars here, and I did my thing, and I worked my way up from there. Um, and if, if, if your goal is to get in a leadership role, um, you got to, you know, kind of um, put your ego in the back pocket and be ready to work and do what you do. And if you're not ready to be in a leadership role, uh, you got to make sure it's a right fit. Because once again, this is a very demanding job. And uh, if, if you don't like what you're doing here, it's hard to fake it.
1: Well, one of the things I've always liked, and I really sort of get that sense from you, is that you, you know, your time at the company, you were not just a learner and a leader, but you were also a teacher. You were taking that experience that you got that you earned yourself, that you got from your father, and you taught it to others while you were there, not just to cast members, but at, you know, Disney Institute. And now what you're doing is you're sort of turning the, the page to the next chapter of your life is you're taking that skill and talent and the expertise that you can only get from a company like Disney sort of on the road, and I guess sort of that the next phase of your life is going to be taking what you've learned and sharing with us. And you're going to be doing a lot more, um, I guess, is speaking and consulting. What's next for you?
4: Yeah. So it's funny you mentioned that. I I wouldn't have imagined to do this. And my wife and I started chatting about a year ago. And she's adventurous. And she just is always, what's next? What are we going to do next? And I told her at the time, Look, I'm in a very my little warm nest, and I come in every day, and I get to do my job at Magic Kingdom. Why would I do anything differently? And she said, Well, we'll regret if we didn't do something different. That's what life's about. So um, I, I talked to my dad about it, and I, once again, I'm extremely uh, lucky to have him because he's given me some great tips on how to think about doing something like this. Because he, you know, he struck out on his own when he retired 12 years ago. So um, I'm taking the same path. Um, I launched my website uh, two weeks ago. It's uh, dancockrell.com. And uh, I have an article of the week. I've been doing that at Disney for about 18 years. I've sent out an article of the week to my management team and and various leaders, and I'm going to continue to do that through the website. And it's just articles I find online. I kind of curate them with some great messages. But yeah, my plan is to go out, um, do some keynote speeches if anyone wants me to come speak on uh, leadership or any topics that would be appropriate to um, my experience. Um, Also, um, executive coaching and team coaching. If people need help to think about the dynamics of their teams and how they get work done. And the last one is I have a concept called the virtual COO. So I'm, I'm seeing there's a lot of small startup companies. They can't hire a, a chief operating officer, but they want someone, some expertise to help them think about strategy and planning. And so I put that on my website also, and I'll work with them individually. And um, and we'll go from there. And a lot of it's word of mouth and a lot of it's connecting. But uh, talk about you know going from a, a, a company like Disney to running your own company it's a it's a big swing for me and I've been so impressed as I'm interacting with people out online in the community people like yourself podcasters that are just so open to help and give tips and tricks and advice and it's gonna be a it's gonna be really exciting I, I just can't wait to meet all the people I'm gonna meet um, uh, out in the world
1: well and look part of the thing I love about your story is you know it's not about where you start it's where you end up and you know you can start parking cars in epcot and look where it is that that you end up and i think you and your dad um really sort of follow and embody one of my favorite quotes from walt which is you can design and create and build the most wonderful place in the world but it really does people to make a dream a reality and i think uh i think walt would be very proud of both you and your dad and i appreciate dan you have always been very kind to me when I've seen you in the parks or at events. And uh, I, I am on one hand, I am sad to see you go because I appreciate what you did, uh, not just for guests, but cast members. But I look forward to the, uh, the next steps on the journey for you. Again, people can find you over at Dan com. So thank you for all that you've done and all that you shared. And certainly for your time today.
4: Well, thank you very much. I appreciate the kind words.
1: It's time for our Walt Disney World Trivia Question of the Week, where I invite you to test your knowledge of Walt Disney World's history or see how well you pay attention to the details, sometimes in what you see, sometimes in what you hear. If you think you know the answer, you can enter via our online form for a chance to win a Disney prize package. Of course, before we get to this week's question, we're going to go back, review last week's and select our winner. So last week I took you to Magic Kingdom, specifically, I almost called it the Tomorrowland Terra, specifically to Cosmic Ray's Starlight Cafe, and I asked you to tell me, what planet is Sunny Eclipse from? Now as you know, Cosmic Ray presents the biggest little star in the galaxy, Sunny Eclipse and his amazing astro-organ, and based on the thousands of correct entries I received last week, you all know that Sunny Eclipse hails from Unork City on the planet Zork. He describes his hometown as a topsy-turvy town where the subways are up and the streets are down. But it's a place from which he says he brings you the sunny side of entertainment. So again, thanks to all of you who entered got this one correct. Again, last week you were playing for the 102 Ways to Save Money for an At Walt Disney World book. All seven of my virtual audio tours of the Magic Kingdom, which are still available for $10 in the WW Radio Shop, or they're both available on Amazon or iTunes, a WW Radio Magic Band cover, some stickers, a pop socket and stand for your phone, and I'm going to randomly select a shirt from the WW Radio shirt collection at www.radio.com slash shirts. It could be a WW Radio logo shirt, a Disney, Marvel, or Star Wars shirt. Again, visit www.radio.com slash shirts. There's thousands of designs in there. And last week's winner, randomly selected, is... Joe Sika. So Joe... You use the online form. I have your address and your shirt size. I will get your prize package out to you right away. If you played last week and didn't win, that's okay, because here's your next chance to enter in this week's Walt Disney World Trivia Challenge. So this time, I'm going to take you from Magic Kingdom over to Disney's Hollywood Studios, and still, to me, a classic, funny, even though you know what's coming next, attraction, and it's Muppet Vision 3D. Fortunately, I meet the height requirement so I've seen it thousands of times and whether you've seen it once or as many times as I have let's see how well you pay attention because tell me in Muppet Vision 3D who hits Fozzie in the face with a banana cream pie? You have until Sunday, May 13th To go to www.radio.com, click on this week's podcast, use the online form there. Again, you're going to play for the entire prize package that's going to include the books, the tours, the cover, the stickers, the pop socket, and a shirt. So good luck and have fun. That's going to do it for this week's show. Thank you again so much for taking the time to tune in. I would love for you to be part of the conversation, more importantly, the community, by going to www.radio.com slash community. Join our group over on Facebook. It is a fun, safe, happy, positive, drama-free place to talk about not just this show or this show, but Disney, Marvel, Star Wars in general. Again, www.radio.com slash community I welcome and more importantly I invite you to please come introduce yourself and be part of the family there speaking of the group and community I want to thank everybody from the Box People group on Facebook who joined us for our live video group call where we talked about very spoiler-ish Avengers Infinity War last week we at one point I think had about 85, 90 people on the call for a couple hours it was a ton of fun thank you to everybody who joined us. That is something that we do every month in the WW Radio Nation. It's usually a lot smaller, a little bit more intimate, where we not just have our, our private Facebook group, but more importantly, we get on a video call every month where we can chat, not just in text in on Facebook or on social, but really get a chance to meet and talk with each other. I want to thank some of the new members who've joined, the hundreds of you who are part, who are part of the Nation family, including David Harrell, Madison Nichol- Nicholson, Jerry Imwald, Claire Casarado, Rick Pierce, Amber Grant, and Caroline Conahan. I sincerely, sincerely appreciate your support, the love, and the friendship that you give. And if you want to not only help the show, but get exclusive rewards every month, not just like the group video calls, but I also create a new scavenger hunt that will email you every month. You have access to our private Facebook group. You get early access to events like our uh, Adventures by Disney to Japan, our cruises, other special events that we do, I'll send you a personalized Magic Band cover. There's logo gear, backpack, shirts, as and more. Again, visit www.radio.com/support to find out how you can be part of the Nation family. And please don't forget that not only is this completely optional, but it's a great way for you to help the show, sort of keep the lights on, support WW Radio, and that a portion of the proceeds of your monthly contribution will go to the Dream Team Project to benefit the Make-A-Wish Foundation of America. And speaking of other ways to stay in touch and communicate, please not only like the WW Radio page on Facebook, again, join the, the Box People group, but you can also connect with me on social. I am at Lou Mangiello on Facebook, Instagram, Instagram, Twitter, and Pinterest. If you have a question you want me to answer on the show, you can email me, lou at WWRadio.com or call the voicemail, be heard on the air at 407-900-9391. That's 407-900-WW1. Of course, as much as I love talking with you online, that's great, but I still believe that nothing beats a handshake and a hug. Thanks again to everybody who came out to the meet of the month last month at Disney's Hollywood Studios and the movie where we did a group meet uh, to go watch Avengers at Disney Springs. Don't forget that I am going to be hosting the homecoming Saturday Night Shine Party at Chef. Art Smith's Homecoming in Disney Springs on Saturday, May 26th from 10 p.m. to close. It's sort of the late night celebration. They're going to have a full menu, appetizers, shine cocktails, live music, and more. To reserve your table, visit wdwradiocom slash Saturday Shine. There's no cost. It's just a regular uh, Disney uh, advanced dining reservation, or you can try and just walk up that night, Saturday, May 26th. I'm still trying to figure out a date and time for the meet of the month for May. Stay tuned to the show, to social, and obviously the Box People and WW Radio page over on Facebook. Also stay tuned as I'll be doing other meetups on the road as I travel to speak. And if I can come to speak to your conference, to your business, to your school, I have a wide variety of topics. Everything from customer service to new and social media following your dreams and pursuing your passion. If you visit loumangelo.com, click on the speaking tab, you can see a full list of some sample topics. Also, don't forget that October 6th and 7th this year, I am doing a My Momentum Weekend Workshop in Walt Disney World, which is a small, limited to just 50 people, group of like-minded entrepreneurs who are going to get together to learn, share, discuss, and really make changes to their lives and business it's a very interactive event with not just speakers, but workshop and group exercises as well. There's also an optional Mastermind Day on Tuesday, which now only has, I think, four seats left. To find out more and get your ticket, visit Lumonjello.com slash momentum. This event has sold out for the last couple of years. We're about 55% sold out now. So if you are interested or have any questions, visit LouMangello.com. Click on the Momentum tab to find out more. Thanks as always to Becky Mankin from MEI and MouseFan Travel. Whether you're coming with us to Japan, coming to world, land, cruise, or anywhere on the planet, they can help you out by visiting at MouseFanTravel.com. And of course, go to CelebrationsPress.com to subscribe to Celebrations Magazine. And of course, my friend, and you are my friend, whether we've met yet or not, if you like the show, and I hope that you do, All I ask is that you please help spread the word. Let others know about it. If you enjoyed this or any other episode, tweet out a link to it. Share it on your Facebook page, in your Facebook group, or on your personal profile. And if you can, take just 30 seconds, not even 30 seconds, to rate and review the show over on iTunes. Thanks to you. We have more than 1,600 five-star reviews. It's very, very helpful. And I want to thank some recent reviewers like Meg916 who says lose my Disney guru the podcast isn't just I added the question mark the podcast is not just an amazing Disney resource it's also a great example of a positive life outlook I look forward to new episodes every week and have fun going back to listen to older one episodes thank you Meg it's a great idea because they're all pretty much evergreen some of my favorite segments are top tens with Tim and the listener email episodes if you like Disney and I hope that you do and you love life I really hope that you do This is the podcast for you. Thanks to you, Lou, and your guests for all you do. CGNDFFNJXD, that's what it says, says, Great podcast. I love Lou and his podcast. D Shrewsy says, It's a perfect Disney fix. Great show for any fan of Disney. Listening to the recent show on emotional moments really made me miss the parks. Thank you, Lou. And MC Tina from Canada, says Lou is the most knowledgeable Disney, again with the guru he is the greatest variety of wonderful people on his show losing inspiration and I look forward to future shows, thanks for keeping this Disney fan in the Disney loop, Tina from Canada Tina D. Shruzy, CGJ, and Meg, thank you guys so very much. Again, just search for WDW on iTunes or go to www.radio.com slash iTunes to find out how and where to leave a review. And finally, most importantly, thank you, thank you, thank you. I love and appreciate you so very much. Um, you don't know, by virtue of you listening and listening this long, how much it means to me. And I was thinking about that and just my sense of gratitude um, for you uh, that I do all the time and you know people talking about leaving uh, a successful and I'm using air quotes like you can see me or a rich life you know don't forget you don't need money you certainly don't need a lot of it to lead a very rich and successful life and friends like you and family and memories and experiences and all those things those are the things that are worth their weight even more so in gold and those are the things that really matter so thank you for the richness and the joy that you bring to my life i hope that this show does it for you a little bit as well and puts a smile on your face wherever you may be and uh, if it does let me know and i hope that this is your best week ever so until next time see ya
0: Hey, Lou, it's Christine Morrison from Flower Town, PA, calling in this week. I am, I got up finally early because it was a beautiful day, and I went out walking this morning, and I'm listening to your podcast in reverse order. I am on, let's see, what I just listened to? Number 303, which is the top 10 attraction rooms in Walt Disney World with Tim Foster. And... I loved it. I love your top tens. You guys haven't done one in a while. You gotta gotta do one. Anyway, my favorite room in Walt Disney World is in the Mexican pavilion, my favorite pavilion. You walk into that marketplace and it's like you're totally transported to somewhere in Mexico at night it's so open and airy you feel like you're outside and the very very first time i ever went to walt disney world i ate at uh, la hacienda de san angel and i sat right by the water for the um, grand siesta tour and i love it sitting there watching the boats go by watching the volcano erupt especially if you're in the boat going through that room It's my favorite. It's so awesome. I got so into it that I totally forgot that I wasn't in Mexico, and by the end of the meal, it was only like 1230 in the afternoon, and I it blew my mind how into it I got. So that became my favorite pavilion. I love walking in there, and now they have the Cave de Tequila, so you can go get a lovely margarita in that place. That room has so much story and character. If you haven't, even though you may not be a tequila fan, anybody, walk in there and just look around at the decor. I love it. I love it. It's awesome. Um, anyway, I'm trying to get my tickets to go see Infinity War. Woohoo! I'm dragging my husband, trying to get him into Marvel. So we'll see if that works. But my son saw it, said it was awesome. I'm trying to not. Let him ruin it for me. So everybody have a wonderful, wonderful week, and um, keep moving forward. Have a Disney day, and I will see you all in the box. Oh, yeah, I joined the nation last month. Yay, I'm part of the Walt Disney World radio nation. Awesome. Have a great weekend, guys. See you later. Bye.
3: Um, hi, Lou, and all of the WCW radio Nation just calling in after getting out of the New York Pops 35th Birthday Galva concert honoring Alan Menken. It was virtually all Disney all the time. Um, Ashley Brown, Jody Benson, Susan Egan. And, of course, he was there. Um, and I cried my way through Go the Distance because it reminded me of Wishes, which I miss terribly. But the crowning moment, besides hearing him... By himself with piano, do the uh, do some of the songs that were not included in the concert because obviously you can't include everything. The crowning moment, I just saw Angel Lansbury sing Beauty and the Beast live in person. The three ladies down next to me and I were sobbing the entire way through. It was amazing. Um, but you guys were all in my heart. Uh, Lou, if you have not interviewed Alan, I, I would love it if you could get, find a way to. Because he, I got to say hi to him on the street one time in New York when Aladdin was getting ready to go on Broadway, and he was very nice to a fan girl who was like, "Hi, thank you for your music." Um, but he just seems like the most amazing person. And so, yeah, you guys were all with me in spirit. Wish you all could have heard the concert because it was absolutely amazing. Take care, have a magical day.
1: I'm interrupting the voicemails for a brief public service announcement. Thank you for your voicemail. I actually did interview Alan Menken back on show 196. So if you go check the archives, you can listen to my conversation with one of the nicest, most talented guys in the world. Now back to your regularly scheduled voicemails.
3: Hey, this is John Jones. It's on uh, May the 1st.
2: Uh,
3: I didn't know about this, and I don't know. You can get the word out better. I mean, it's already happened. I'm going to tweet about it. But um Disney Parks, you probably already know, um they did a live stream from Magic Kingdom at sunrise, and it's on YouTube. Uh, you have to look it up and put the link in there and everything, but it's like an hour and 16 minutes. It's a good little video for everybody to have, you think, set your, something to, you know, watch to while you're getting up. It's just really pretty. Uh well, I'll talk to you later, bro.
2: Hi. Hello, Lou Manchello. it's Darlene Nagy from West Seneca, New York, calling in to say I have 17 more days, almost 15 more days, until my trip to Walt Disney World for my birthday celebration, and uh you all have 44 days until that Alaska cruise where Beatrice is going to marry the man of her dreams, Dennis, I'm so excited for that wedding and some pictures, and... Then I have 147 days until I'm on my trip with the Sternbergs to Florida and Disney World. It's going to be absolutely amazing. And they haven't seen Walt Disney World in a few years, along with my husband Keith. So, looks like I'll be tour guide Darlene, Princess Darlene. Here I am, in West Seneca, New York. Um, I loved, absolutely loved, if you guys haven't seen Infinity War, go out and see it. It was amazing. Stay positive. Have a wonderful weekend. Love you and hugs. Talk to you next time. You've got a friend in me. Yeah.